Al Jazeera podcast. United Nations experts believe Israel's military assault against Palestinians in Jenin in the occupied West Bank may be a war crime. But what's behind this assessment? And will anyone face international justice? I'm Mohammed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests in Ramallah, Nurode, political analyst and former spokeswoman for the Palestinian Task Force on Public Diplomacy. In the Italian city of Catania, Francesca Albanese, special rapporteur on the situation of human rights in the Palestinian territory occupied since 1967. And in Melbourne, Jeffrey Robertson, founding head of Dowdy Street Chambers and a former UN war crimes judge. A warm welcome to you all, and thanks so much for joining us on Inside Story today. Noor, let me start with you today. The Janine refugee camp has been the target of recurring and intensifying attacks by Israeli forces over the past couple of years. What's different about this latest assault? I think what's fundamentally different about this assault is that it brought back uh, memories of the 2002 invasion. It was um, um, the number of Israeli soldiers that were involved was much larger, the number of armored vehicles, the incursion deep into the camp, uh, was, you know, revisited the trauma that the residents there had lived through about 20 years ago when about nearly 60 Palestinians were killed during that incursion and hundreds of homes were leveled to the ground. Um, and this was preceded by Israeli promises of increased violence, of exacting a price on the Janine refugee camp, of taking revenge, if you will, on that camp that uh, is blamed for uh, so many things. So, uh, you know, to see Palestinian refugees leave in the dead of night with uh, nothing but the clothes on their back uh, because they had no other alternative— was collectively traumatic for Palestinians, not just for the residents of that camp. It brought back, you know, uh, the the stories of of the first refugees of 1948, and that's why this uh, incursion, I think, um, is a turning point in many ways uh, in the already very inflamed, inflamed situation on the ground. Uh, Francesca, you and other UN experts issued a statement saying that Israel's latest military operation against Palestinians in Janine may constitute a war crime. Why was this assessment made so swiftly after the assault? Yes, um, we reached this assessment looking at both the context and the specifics of this operation. Uh, looking at the motive, although the motive, the intention, is not necessarily relevant, as you, um, as you, one can, um, uh, one can understand from the definition of war crime that you gracefully quoted at the beginning of um, of this uh, discussion. But Israel claims that it was targeting terrorists and cells and individuals. Um, so this needs to be unpacked, because while Israel has the right to ensure the security of its citizens from any threat, including those arising from terrorists, anyone who intentionally targets civilians through violence or intimidation uh, and in the pursuit of a political or ideological goal should be held accountable. Palestinians and Israelis alike. And so two precisions to be made here. One is that Israel confuses its security with the security of its annexation plan, which has meant over 56 years displacement and uh, residency revocations, home demolitions, house evictions. And uh, what has happened in the recent months um, and what I have observed 
itself under my one-year tenure as a special rapporteur confirms that the context matters. Under international law, people who take up arms are not automatically considered terrorists. Think of Ukraine, where um, the Ukrainian people are uh, resisting the uh, an illegal occupation, an illegal aggression, an illegal war uh, launched by, by Russia on the ground of self-determination. So resistance against oppressive regimes, including colonial or, or oppressive regimes, is recognized as an aspect of the right of self-determination. So this doesn't exclude that the Palestinians might commit crimes. It doesn't condone uh, the violence that they might use. They should be held accountable for that. But the alleged illegality of this act should not be confused mm. with the illegitimacy of the situation toward which these acts are directed. And the second element, and this mm. is something we considered, and the second elements are the modality. An aerial bombardment with ground bombardment that has resulted into damage to 80% of the of the homes, of the housing mm -hmm. units, damage to civilian infrastructure, targeting of, of hospitals, sewage, and essential basic civilian, um, civilian services with hampering access to, uh, to the wounded. These do constitute war crimes. So this is why we said, prima facie, mm. it, there, is, there is no proportionality, no distinction in this um, large-scale use of lethal force for what would otherwise be um, a law enforcement operation. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeffrey, from your vantage point, is there enough evidence now from this latest operation in Janine to warrant an investigation into potential war crimes? And do you think that there will be one? No, there will not. And that's because of the attitude of the Israeli government, which has blocked all independent investigations. They will do it themselves. There was, back 10 years ago or so, Operation Cast Lead, where a 1,000 civilians were killed, but uh, 400 investigations were opened by the Israeli army. And of the end of the day, only one person was sentenced to prison, and that was for uh, stealing a credit card, nothing to do with the operation. So it's not acceptable that one of the participants will do the investigation. Hamas didn't do any investigations, despite allegations of war crimes on the other side. So the problem is not... Uh, well, the first problem is to ascertain what happened and by an independent investigation, and that we will not get because Israel blocks independent investigation. But if it's a war crime, there are defences, and they have to be seriously considered. Uh, a refugee camp, mm. in principle, is a... Uh, a place where which should be protected because war law basically protects civilians from the worst consequences of war. But uh, the Israeli army insists that there were weapons, that there were bombs, that mm -hmm. there were all sorts of offensive things. Well, did they find any? They killed 12 Palestinians. Oh, they say all the people killed were terrorists, but uh, they wounded quite a few people, and they said 
well, not all the people who were wounded were mm. terrorists. So this is pretty unsatisfactory. It's not, it's something that has to be investigated. Were the people killed uh, simply refugees with no uh, reference at all to taking up arms against Israel? So I think that the answer in reality is what was the purpose of this attack which did take lives and uh, destroy the, I mean, 18,000 people had to flee. Mm -hmm. uh, their, their homes were destroyed. What was the purpose? And mm -hmm. of course, there is no overwhelming purpose. Israel will have to do the same in, I imagine, three months' time. It will be, it's this terrible sense that mm -hmm. uh, was expressed in a poem by uh, an English poet called Auden. He said, uh, I and the public know what all school children learn. Those to whom evil is done do evil in return. And uh, that seems to me to sum up a situation where there is no law. And that is uh, a situation which can only be changed by international agreement, by an international mm -hmm. conference. It seems the two-state solution is out of the window. We have to find another solution. And that is very difficult at a time yeah. when the most barbaric war crimes, of course, are being uh, committed by Putin and his army in, in Ukraine. Uh, Noor, Jeffrey is saying that there should be an investigation, but that there won't be an investigation. There won't be an independent investigation. I want to get your thoughts on this. The Palestinian Authority uh, is urging the International Criminal Court to start holding uh, Israeli war crimes accountable. Um, is that something that you foresee happening? Well, I mean, it's difficult uh, to, to predict, and I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm lashing out uh, at the uh, ICC. But I think it's worth noting that since this prosecutor came uh, um, headed the the the, uh, uh, the ICC, he's been mute on Palestine, and he's downgraded an investigation that is supposed to be open into uh, possible war crimes in Palestine, um, and basically to oblivion. He uh, does not talk about Palestine. He does not comment on clear and grave violations of international law happening in Palestine. He even downgraded the amount of budget allocated to the investigation that his office has supposed, uh, supposedly opened uh, uh, some time ago into the situation in Palestine. I think, um, you know, as much as we talk about the independence of, of the court and as much as we talk about independent commissions of inquiry, and there have been many into uh, uh, attacks uh, by Israel on, on Palestinians. It boils down to political will and the fact that there are states who provide the budgets for the ICC and for other international bodies who basically hijack the process and who by indirectly or directly uh, extort these bodies into uh, uh, providing cover for Israel and providing it with immunity and continuing to pamper it and protect it from any form of accountability. We've seen that happen time and time again. Mm. We've seen countries write to the ICC against the idea 
of accountability, even though they pushed that same court to open an investigation into war crimes possibly committed in Ukraine when neither Ukraine nor Russia were members of the court. So the du duplicity that is applied, the exceptionalism that uh, countries like the United States and others insist on when it comes to Israel is really quite you know, jaw-dropping, and it's very consistent. Uh, we see it uh, year in and year out, not just at the ICC, but at every international fora where accountability uh, is a possibility. Uh, Francesca, um, I want to get your response to this, too, because you heard Noor there talk about the fact that it was, I believe, in 2021 uh, when the ICC opened a formal investigation looking at whether alleged war crimes had been committed by either Israeli forces or by Hamas and other Palestinian armed groups. Uh, in the last couple of days, uh, we've seen a statement from the office of the uh, head prosecutor of the ICC saying that he's continuously monitoring the Palestinian situation. I'm curious, why is this all taking so long? I cannot speak with certainty. This is an answer that should be given by the office of the prosecutor. Um, whatever the reason, it's unacceptable. It really taints the credibility of the court and international criminal justice and international justice with it, because it continues to perpetuate the image of international law with all its instruments at the service of a minority, uh, technically, of the West. And the only way also to dispel this, uh, this belief is to, to use all possible avenues without exceptionalism and without double standards. So far, so far, the International Criminal Court has not been such. But there are two elements I would like to bring to the discussion. One is that universal jurisdiction can also be pursued through national courts. And this is an avenue that has been explored. It has failed, but it should not be forgotten. I do believe that this is still an opportunity to pursue justice. But also restoration of the second element is that restoring international law um, doesn't limit itself to international justice. There is third state responsibility um, uh, under international law. Israel, the illegality of the occupation is manifest. Uh, the annexation plan, which is absolutely prohibited under international law, is manifest. Settler colonial practices are ongoing. The apartheid regime is fully documented. Um, this is enough to take uh, decisive actions from an international community point of view, from UN member states, if there is a paralysis at the UN Security Council, individual sta states or group of states should act on their own accord to use, to recur to the economic, political and diplomatic measures, countermeasures afforded by the UN Charter to bring this um, situation to an end. Uh, Francesca, let me also ask you, I mean, if, if what we're witnessing right now is the fact that universal jurisdiction is not being applied or there is no other really sufficient mechanism by which to try to bring accountability, uh, what's stopping Israel from essentially doing anything at once? I mean, even if they are being told that they are breaking international law. I believe it's uh, political pressure and, um, and there is a general... I think that this is part and parcel of the general, um, Noor called it immunity. I think it's impunity, the general impunity that is granted to Israel, which is not an exception in a, in a sense that there are many states 
in this world, unfortunately, which commits uh, abhorrent crimes and by, um, atrocity crimes and international law violations. Jeffrey, let me get your vantage point. Uh, when it comes to international law, when it comes to international justice, um, will there be more international pressure put on Israel? Uh, will they feel like they can act with uh, impunity? Well, a lot of countries can. The country that is acting with the greatest impunity and doing the most damage at the moment is Russia, which has torn up the UN Charter and has invaded another country and is causing war crimes hundreds every day by bombing civilians, by uh, all the things that we can see on television. So uh, it is acting with impunity, and not only that, it's got nuclear weapons, which terrifies everyone. So we are in a very difficult stage at the moment. International justice has only come on in the last 20 or so years. The courts are still building up their precedents and building up their powers. And at the moment, they can't touch Russia because it is a member of the Security Council and ridiculously can veto any action taken against it, even though it's mass murdering uh, Ukrainians uh, in a country which it invaded. So uh, this is not to say that the Palestinian victims are any lesser than the Ukrainian victims. It's just that Russia, as a member of the Security Council, has defied the international world order uh, and so is in a different situation to Israel, which, uh, as I say, has some restraint. There was a very important development a week ago. It was on the 24th of June, which was the day that Russia seemed to come apart by Prigozhin's revolt. But uh, the commander of the Israeli army and the head of Shin Bet uh, and a couple of other senior officials attacked the settler movement the right-wing uh, group that seems to have overtaken Israel. And it may well be you've got a country where, which has never had such a violent, racist government, where many members of Mr. Mm. Netanyahu government call for the extermination of uh, Palestinians. And this is the state of a country which is crying to... <laughs> trying to shackle uh, appointments to its Supreme Court. The Supreme Court of Israel was one of the, uh, over the years, has been one uh, check and balance in the Israeli constitution. So mm. I think it's going to get worse, and the prospects of keeping Israel and, and other countries in the world mm -hmm. within the restrictions of war law. Let's face it, war law we've had for hundreds of years, and you don't kill your prisoners, you don't destroy civilian houses, you don't mm -hmm. bomb uh, uh, where, where children and uh, 
innocent civilians are going mm. to be killed. All Jeffrey, I'm, I'm sorry. Jeffrey, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're just starting to run out of time. Uh, Noor, I, I want to ask you uh, about one of the reasons why, why we're seeing all this happen right now is, is the biggest reason we're seeing what's going on when it comes to Janine happening right now, is it because the current government is the most right-wing government in Israel's history? Well, I think that's definitely part of it, because the ideology that drives this government is one that seeks uh, elimination um, and, and, and the decimation of Palestinians. I mean, they, they make no secret of that. Uh, if we can give them credit, we can give them credit for being honest and forward about what they plan to do uh, in the occupied territory and, and to the Palestinian people. But I think, you know, just picking up on, on what, you, what, what the um, uh, judge was talking about, I think the fact that Israel has enjoyed impunity for so long and enjoyed this protection from other countries for so long, uh, from any accountability, has encouraged other countries to just say, well, you know what, this, uh, these laws and these practices, we can upend them and we can violate uh, the, the, the laws of war uh, uh, because we can, because we have the power to, because we have a veto. Uh, Israel doesn't sit in the Security Council, but it has a very good representative. Uh, the U.S. has used the veto power to protect Israel more times uh, at the Security Council than on any other subject. Um, so Israel knows it can literally get away with murder. There have been several reports documenting its previous uh, war crimes and grave violations. No accountability, zero, not just in terms of criminal accountability, but countries, instead of applying sanctions, instead of saying, we are not going to deal with you as a normal law-abiding state until you actually abide by the law, uh, are showering Israel with political gifts, with more financial uh, uh, agreements, with even military cooperation mm -hmm. when this, this military stands accused of committing more crimes. And I think that's the third-party mm. responsibility uh, um, dimension of accountability that we need to focus on. Mm. And, and the international public opinion is prepared for that. People uh, around the world are overwhelmingly fed up, really, with that uh, double standard and with Israel get away, getting away with all these violations, because people understand mm. that if you allow a bully to get away with bullying in one neighborhood, then all the bullies in all the other neighborhoods will be encouraged. Mm. Uh, Francesca, we just have about a minute and a half left, but let me just ask you, what are the types of tactics and weaponry used by Israel in this latest assault on Janine that most concerned you and your colleagues? Uh, the aerial bombardment and the ground bombardment uh, or and the ground attacks are both of concerns. I mean, I'm not a military expert. I look at the consequences and, and I have a people-centered approach. So I'm, I look at what happens on the receiving ends, as it was said before by others, um, the, the, the displacement of 4,000 people, the destruction of homes, the destruction of civilian infrastructures, whatever the means which caused it, um, the use of those means has, uh, has resulted in a situation which is prima facie unlawful. And again, it should be placed in a context. I mean, it shouldn't be read disjunctively from the daily structural violence that have permeates the lives of the Palestinians under occupation after 56 years and within 100 years of this possession.
All right. Well, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there. Thanks so much to all of our guests, Noor Oday, Francesca Albanese, and Jeffrey Robertson. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Omeka Sum Sharif, Abla Kla, and Jimmy Gerahun. Studio sound was by Suraj Shankar. The program was edited by Anna Savic, Linda Wynn, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Friday for our next edition.